Hi, you're listening to episode 56 of Daisy Geek Girls. I'm Swapna Krishna. And I'm Preeti Chibber, and we are recording on Sunday, February 28th, 2021. Woo! Oh, boy, all right. Yeah, I know. Um, so we wanted to record last week, but both of our, you know, my toddler was sick, you just were like buried under deadlines. So yeah. <laughs> just doing our best, but we're going to talk about the last three episodes of WandaVisions, episode, uh, WandaVision episodes six, seven, and eight, and then we'll do another smaller episode after the finale. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of thoughts. Yeah. Uh, this is going to be a long episode. Like, I'm not going to even pretend like, oh, this should be a short, brisk episode. No. Like, I'm looking at, like, what we have broken down to talk, what Preeti broke down for us to talk about <laughs> in episode six to eight. I don't want to take credit because this is a, like, lovely outline, um, and it's a lot. So let's get right down to it. First, we've got uh, a couple right. of pieces of news. Yeah, so the new Spider-Man title is out for the third Spider-Man MCU movie, and it's No Way Home, Okay, which I have a lot of anxiety and mm-hmm. a lot of ideas about. Okay, so um, <laughs> basically, do what, do what do you think? Like, do we think, like, so what I, what I came to you with when I heard it was, I think it's about the multiverse and we're going to do, which is not like a stretch because we know they're introducing the multiverse because Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, But specifically, the multiverse plays a big role in the Spider-Man comics with Spider-Verse. I think that, and this is a lot of because of the behind the scenes stuff, because Sony and Disney have had such sort of a contentious relationship over Spider-Man in the MCU. My guess, and this is very bleak, is that this is an opening to pull Spider-Man out of the, the Tom Holland Spider-Man out of the MCU and drop him into the Sony-verse as a, kind of a, a clean break, if you will, which I'm, I don't hate the idea of only because by nature the MCU means Spider-Man has a, has a much harder time being his own hero without mm-hmm. the influence mm-hmm. of all these other heroes, like... You know, they're saying Doctor Strange is going to be in the next Spider-Man movie. And so I and initial reports said as some kind of like new mentor figure. But I'm over Peter having a mentor figure in the MCU. I'm like, let him exist. Plus, um, and I think this was deliberate because MCU or uh, uh, Marvel wanted, Disney wanted to incorporate Spider-Man into the overall MCU as much as possible to make him hard yeah. to pull out. Yeah. Uh, but like his introduction was in Civil War. His first movie featured uh, Tony pretty heavily. Second movie featured yes. Dick Fury pre- pretty heavily. Like, it's yep. not, he's never had a standalone movie. No. He, like, unlike, he, like, Cap, if you think of, like, a standalone Black Panther, Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. Doctor Strange, like, they've Thor. all, their original movies, like, well, even the, even the, like, secondary heroes, once the MCU mm-hmm. was very established, not secondary in terms of tier, but, like, just those were introduced in phases two and three. Mm-hmm still very standalone first intro movies. Spider-Man didn't get that. Yeah, Spider-Man, like, of course, Nick Fury is in Captain Marvel, but it is Captain Marvel is... I Like, I'm very curious about um, percentage in terms of, like, percentage on screen and influence of who gets to make the hero calls, mm-hmm, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Like, Happy, like, where... Happy took the place of Tony, sort mm-hmm. of, in um, Far From Home... I wish it had been Aunt May, but Happy took that place. But now I'm like, let Spider-Man be in a sole Spider-Man movie. And I think my guess is this is, and and, in an exciting way, this might also be, which I don't, I don't know about the Miles Morales film rights. Like, I don't know who, I know Sony did Into the Spider-Verse. But I just don't know about who owns what rights. If- so I remember during the leaks, uh, Disney only had the rights to the name Peter Parker and they had to cast Peter Parker as white, if I remember that correctly. I, yes, they, that was true. Which was uh, Because cool. like I think Sony wanted to keep Miles Morales and didn't want them to just basically cast a Miles Morales type Peter Parker. Um, but that was super contentious. But I don't remember from those leaks if we know how many movies the deal was for, because it would make sense for three plus ensemble movies uh, for that to be the length of the deal. Yeah. I mean, they were, they did two, I think initially, and then they had a big fight over the third one. Yes. Yeah. Them. Yeah. I remember. remember and now I remember and Tom, Tom Holland, Holland like, like cried and by like Bob Iger's <laughs> office or something yeah. like that. Yeah. 
So maybe they're opening it up to a, a different Spider-Man coming into the MCU. I'm not really sure what's going to happen. But because we I also do... know that, right, uh, like Sony is building its own Spider-Verse. Exactly. There's villain, But through like the villains, yeah. which, okay. Um, but so I think it's in Sony's best interest to pull Spider-Man out of the MCU at this point. But I don't know. That's just what it made me feel like. I hope that's not yeah. necessarily true in terms of... We'll never get to see Tom Holland as Spidey interact with MCU heroes again. But who knows? Mm -hmm. Like, maybe they're still hashing out more rights stuff. Like, I have no idea. Or maybe Sony's going to make the standalone movies more standalone, but Peter Parker can still appear in the ensemble movies. Like, there's, who knows? Um, The other thing I was thinking, if it's not, like, all rights-based stuff, it's, you know, very the the very famous post Civil War storyline after Peter in the comics lets everybody know that he is Spider Man, and then Aunt May gets shot, and so he goes to Mephisto and makes a deal to give up the love of his life, like Mary Jane, in terms of like actually giving up their relationship and in their history together, in order to kind of put the secret back in that nobody knows he's Spider-Man again. Or, no, yeah, nobody knows he's Spider-Man. And so there might be something there where mm-hmm. there's no way home, meaning he has to, like, disconnect from everybody in his life who knows that he's Spider-Man because the world knows. Yeah, that makes sense, especially with the way the post... Was it post-credits? Oh, this, whatever yeah. scene that was, or the very end of uh, yeah, Far From the Home. Yeah, second post credit sequence yeah. in Far From Home, which is, like, one of the biggest cliffhangers in the MCU, yeah. I feel like, mm-hmm, now. And mm-hmm. it'll be, like... Two and the post credit scenes, both of the post credit scenes in that movie, I rewatched it because I realized I was so. I don't. I think I'd only seen it once, um, so I rewatched it not too long ago. And yeah, it was those. Both those post credit scenes were doozies. But yeah, they're they're big doozies. Uh, all right, and now for the DC side of yeah, things. Yeah. So the okay. So we talked about the Justice League, the Snyder Cut, which is um, that we we had some. Usually I would have no interest in seeing this movie, um, but the rumors are now that with Whedon's influence taken out, um, toxic influence, I should add, taken out um, from the movie, um, there's a lot more screen time for uh, the characters of color and, you know, better screen time for women. So, okay, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll watch, but we, they just confirmed, yet, I think it was yesterday, that the screen, the runtime for this movie is four goddamn hours what i like i cannot tell you literally since i had a child i have not had four hours of uninterrupted time like just in two over two years four hours and so it 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 brings the question of because this is a longer runtime than k3g which if anybody has seen k3g i'm actually looking up oh no that's also i was like trying to think of like the longest Hindi movies I can think of because Bollywood movies are like famously very long because of songs like you know you have like 45 minutes of songs and you need every single genre in every single mm-hmm. movie like you need comedy tragedy romance drama action, yeah. all of it right like K3G is like up there for me in terms of the longest movies it's I've watched and that's three and a half hours yeah like uh DDLJ I think is three hours and 15 minutes yeah so like this movie is longer than most Bollywood films. And every think. Bollywood film, even like the one, the like two and a half hour ones have intermissions. So. They have intermission because you need to get up and go to the bathroom yeah. and get snacks mm-hmm. and like what it's like. Mm-hmm. I'm fine if like Americans want to make movies this long, like for mm-hmm. for the West, but you but need, we need intermissions. intermissions. And even in even in a at, at home where the argument is, you can just pause anytime. Some people don't like to like interrupt the flow. You don't know, especially if it's the first time you're seeing a movie. You don't know the flow of the story. Yep. You don't know the quiet moments. So providing an intermission is like okay, pause, get snacks, use the bathroom, do whatever you need to do. So I am like, I really, I really hope they put an intermission in this movie. I will watch it. I will still watch it. Especially for me, I, there's no way I can find four hours of uninterrupted time, but I will do two hours one night, two hours the next mm-hmm. night. Like I can do that. Four hours is so long. so long. It's so long. That's and it's, so is it all long. in black and white? Oh my God. It's black and white. Is it? I don't Did know. I, I don't know. I mean, I would not like, I, it's Snyder, it's Zack Snyder. I would not be surprised if it was black and white. Um, but I'm looking it up because, okay, I will say there's a really, we can link to it in the show notes. There's a really good Vanity Fair piece on the making of the Snyder Cut, which made me much more amenable to it. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I'm far less like frustrated by the notion that this person can can have this sort of like this is it's still like a very like I don't like the fan entitlement side of it. No. But I don't mind elev I don't mind if this is gonna elevate voices and I generally I'm not a fan of Zack Snyder's vision. Like I'm not dark dark and gritty is not my thing. That being said, anything that elevates marginalized voices is great, it's great, but I think what's you read that Vanity Fair piece, and it is very interesting because when the reports initially surfaced about Joss Whedon taking over, it was all surrounded by the the, the tragedy that the Snyder family went through, which is mm-hmm. awful. You know, his yeah. oldest daughter um, died by suicide. It's it's a very terrible thing, but you find out in this Vanity Fair piece that that's not actually what happened. Like. What happened was the studio was getting really angry with Snyder's vision. They were pushing back, pushing back, pushing back, fighting him on, like, everything. He did not invite Joss Whedon. Like, the studio pulled Joss Whedon in because Zack Snyder kind of was like, I'm just tired of fighting. Like, I'm tired of fighting. And then they, like, and because, like, recent reports have made it clear that there's a lot of toxicity at the head of the DCWB studios. And the fact that they would use his daughter's death to... its Yeah, it's all a little, like, I think they probably thought it was... And, I i mean, I can't... I and that, that might have like, been the thing where he was just like, fine, do whatever you want. I mean, understandably. I, yeah, I think he and his family were just... Like, he and his wife, I think, his... Not his... Um, his current wife, I think, helps produce or something like that. I'm trying to remember, but... Basically, they both were just like, we're, we're tired of fighting, like, we're just gonna pull back. And... While I am glad that he is in a position to be able to, like, do what he wants, it is still very much you're like, okay, you are, like, a... This is a position of privilege that you were able to, like, make something the studio wasn't happy with, but they're still giving you a shot. Plus, um, I think Preeti and I and a lot of other, especially women, especially women of color, have been on the, like, been in the crosshairs of the... of this fandom... And it's not pretty, and it's really gross, and it's uh, it, it's been I I've it's part of the reason I don't tweet about the DC like it's part of the reason I don't tweet about DC movies because it invites this like really gross you know and so anyway um but that being said I will watch this yeah I'm gonna see it I'm much more interested in it knowing like like I said we'll link to that Vanity Fair article it is very interesting. Um, knowing a lot more of the backstory than what was sold to us when the Justice League movie initially Agreed. came out, which made, you know, it, it's... And with all the, like, Joss Whedon stuff that, that's coming out, I feel like they felt comfortable allowing this article to release, which is also telling. Yes. But, uh, yeah, it's... it's We'll watch it. If we like it, we'll talk about it. If, if we, we don't, don't, we, we won't. probably won't. I feel like, yeah, that's a good way to put it because I feel like a lot of times we promise we'll talk about things and then just never talk about them and it's basically because we choose to be talk about things we like on the podcast so we're not if we don't like something or we're ambivalent about something we're not going to come on here and rip it apart because that's not what we do because who mm-hmm. wants to spend their like i mean some people do enjoy it but you and i do not want to spend our spare no. time we have nothing to contribute to yeah. the conversation and so we won't spend time doing it exactly all and right, so on to the thing we love right now. Yeah, and then we do have something to contribute to the conversation, I think, which is episodes six through eight of WandaVision. Yeah. Whew. So Ooh, much happened. So, so much. much. So um, much. I think we can kind of just start at the beginning. So episode six is the all new Halloween spooktacular, mm-hmm. which is very loosely based on Malcolm, Malcolm in the Middle. In the middle. Yep. Such an excellent sitcom. If you haven't, I revisited it a few years ago. I like watched the entire thing maybe four or five years ago. And it's so funny and smart. So, like, I, it was a very welcome um, uh, conceit, I think, to, to bring I it in and have, like, putting the kids. The kids yeah. yeah, I love putting the kids at the center. Right? I love Billy and Tommy so much. So much. And we'll get to and it, I but I'm worried about them. But we'll get to it. Yeah, a little anxious. Um, but, of course, the fun thing is they're in their, like, comics costumes, which are, you know loosely they don't refer to them as their comics costumes yeah. obviously um but it is a way for i think the first time to separate vision and wanda significantly because vision has been having these thoughts that something is not all right mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so um basically vision 
he tells he and there, there's after their fight and at the end of episode five, it's clear things are not all you know okay between them. And he uh, basically he makes a a little bit of, as cutting of a remark as Sweet Vision can make about right. how he had nothing else in his closet to wear, so he's wearing the costume. Yeah, um, and then decides to go out with the neighborhood watch, but he's lying. Mm-hmm. As Wanda finds out, and he decides to basically walk to the edge of Westview and just see what he can find. So that's like one storyline, and then there's Wanda t- taking the kids tr- trick or treating, kind of come to terms with this Pietro she doesn't recognize, like in terms of visual, like he doesn't look like her brother, but he knows things about them, mm-hmm. about their history, about their past that like she feels the connection, but she doesn't understand. Like, there are things she doesn't quite remember the way he does. Like, there's some weird stuff going on. So she's kind of questioning that. And then there's outside the hex, uh, um, Darcy and um, Monica and Jimmy Jimmy Woo. Woo. Right, Jimmy Woo. um, Basically trying to figure out what's going on. So that's kind of our yeah, three they get, storylines. Hayward basically removes them from the premises mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. pushing too hard because Monica is like, this is ridiculous. Like, you should not be doing this. Basically, you know? they're, they, they conf- she confronts him over sending in the, uh, the, 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 the missile, the missile, right. Um, the UAV with a missile um, attached and. It keeps saying, like, Wanda's, you keep assuming Wanda's the villain here, but, like, I connected with her. I don't think, like, she's the bad guy. And if she is the bad guy, she's the only one who can fix this. Yes. Like, we have to and- work with her to fix this. Like, we, there's no way we can beat her. Yeah, and Hayward keeps pushing back, which we've been, we've not trusted Hayward from the beginning because the MCU has been really good about teaching us that we should not trust, like, bureaucratic white men in charge of government agencies. <laughs> Mm-hmm. essentially and so mm-hmm. i think we've all kind of been like oh we know something shady is going on with you especially when we found out that one uh, that uh monica was supposed to become the head of sword yep and and this guy took her place yes and so that's all happening outside the hex inside the hex wanda and pietro take billy and tommy trick-or-treating it's the first time we've seen a significant number of children mm-hmm. because in- earlier didn't want a vision comment on the lap yeah. of children. He's like, where are all the children? Yep. Um, and so this is happening and Pietro is pushing Wanda to kind of examine her feelings. You know, I felt very vindicated at the like, and I died in the street for no reason. Yes. Because yep. it was a bad plot decision and I have maintained it's a bad plot decision for like five years. But, you know, there are all these little moments, you know, she, we, we talked about the accent work because the accent work has been very conscious and very deliberate. And, and they brought she, it to the forefront now. They, like, they the started forefront. talking about it. She says, where's your accent? And he goes, where's your accent? Mm-hmm. And it's a really great moment because it's clearly like this assimilation idea. And it's all, he's very much like forcing her to figure out what's going on or yeah. figure out what's going on inside. He's like, you need to like think about this. And it's, it's, but it never feels, um, malicious yeah like from pietro it it doesn't it feels like he's trying to be her brother which is you know later on when you reconsider it you're like oh it makes your skin crawl a little bit it so feels vision, it feels like i wanted to trust him yes you do and Evan because you're so also because as a viewer you understand like she does need to confront her trauma she does need to but she's not ready yet, and he's mm-hmm. pushing her to do it before she's ready. And yes. that is the thing that's missing. And it's a very real thing that happens when, you know, you're going through something and people in your life might be, but you need to deal with this. You need to deal with this. And it might not be on the same timeline and, and all of those things. So that's happening. And it's all, like, it's so chaotic. Like, all these kids in costumes, and they're walking through, like, a hay hay maze or something Mm -hmm. uh it's very like the idea of what a small town halloween could be like Mm -hmm. and vision meanwhile is walking further and further away and noticing as he gets further from the center of the town people are moving very slowly there's a woman who's like like looking at one of her halloween decorations but she's barely moving and she's crying Mm -hmm. and it's he's like noticing all these things and he sees ag uh agnes in a mm-hmm, car mm-hmm. towards the edge of town wearing she's wearing a witch's hat 
and she's like freaking out. Mm-hmm. And so he tries to help her mm-hmm. by doing his thing where he can like bring her thoughts to the forefront. And she panics and, and he's like, okay, you know, it's this great scene with Catherine Hahn where she is just selling it. And, you know, at the time watching it, I still was like, uh-uh. Yeah, I I, I, yeah. It. But you put doubts in my mind because she was I, so I good. Like, she's so good, but she was just, all the other pieces to me, I was like, yeah. I still don't buy it. Like this feels very deliberate putting this in here. And that she's the one out mm-hmm. there. That he finds her of all people. Uh, and so Vision tries to push, be- he sees the barrier at the edge of town and he tries to push beyond it. And he gets out and he sees all the sword people and he's like, what? We need help. There are people in there who need help. And his body his- starts decaying. Yes, his body starts basically disintegrating. And while all this has been going on, uh, they've um, captured, like, like Jimmy Woo and Monica have gone off to see Monica's friend who works in something and basically to 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 enact their next part of the plan but Darcy stayed behind because she wanted to keep reading sword files to get to the bottom mm-hmm. of what was going on and presumably she now knows what's going on but we haven't real more of at least but we haven't revisited we haven't been able to like figure out how much she knows but she's at she is basically watching vision disintegrate in front of her and she yells at everybody like help him yeah and she gets uh somebody captures um, her and handcuffs, handcuffs her, to a, her car. to a car which is so messed up yeah and so the kids you know we know that tommy is super speed he has he has inherited the super speed um and billy can feel things but they run back to wanda to say something's wrong yeah like, something's we can wrong with dad something's wrong with dad like something is happening and so Wanda panics and expands the barrier of Westview and pulls anyone who is left behind. So the end of the episode is excellent because all these sword people are freaking out and driving off and the barrier is like moving out. Mm-hmm. And Darcy, of course, is stuck. So we don't know what ends up happening to her. Um, and then we have to get it's how she saves vision to make yeah. sure vision maintains his structural integrity. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, okay. And then, so that's basically the end of the episode, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's how the episode ends. And then we move on to episode seven, breaking the fourth wall, which is all very modern family. And it was so, she's so well, like so really, well really, she channels Julie Bowen really she well. She does. I will say, I think that it was, it did show kind of, because people who are good at it are so good at it. Like Julie Bowen and um, Ty Burrell in Modern Family are like truly, truly excellent. And you can see like um, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany aren't quite at that level, which is understandable because it's not what they do. Uh, like week after week, you know, for for episode after episode. But they, they did an admirable job. Of course, they're just, in the ways that they were able to nail it in previous episodes, I didn't personally quite feel like they nailed it as good as some of that cast is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but the structure and the pacing, I thought, was perfection. Mm-hmm. And so this episode, um, basically, Vision... So all the pulled-in sword members are now like part of a traveling circus on the outside of town. Yep. <laughs> Which is an interesting choice, but Vision um basically he remembers what happened outside the hex and sees Darcy and is like she was trying to help me. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to. And so basically he uses, you know, he puts his hand on her head and pulls her out. Um and, and so she great. starts telling him what's going on and it becomes very clear he has no memory. Like even Not when she starts talking about stuff, he has he just has no idea what she's talking about. Um and he does it in this like great Darcy kind of way, which is like, Yeah, and then you died, and then what and he's like, and Wanda killed me. And she's like, Yeah, but <laughs> and, like kind of dropping all these like horrifically stressful and awful truths, but in a very sort of like Darcy-y. matter of yeah. fact Darcy kind of way. It's they play off each other really, really well. Yeah. And then Monica becomes determined to is determined to get back to the hex because she felt like her and Wanda connected, and she mm-hmm. is the only one who can really get through to her. And so the thing that she um, got her friend to bring was some sort of like suit that would like 
allow her to re-enter the hex because the hex has elect affected her and uh they're very adamant that she can't go back in so this would keep her herself i think and not let the hex affect her that's the hope they put her in like a heavily armored vehicle yeah. and they put her in this like space suit thing mm -hmm. uh and aside to say i think it's very funny because it felt like marvel like wandavision with monica like us not being able to see the name of who she was texting and just saying like my friend there were a lot of theories being like is it is it reed richards is it like naming all these like, like big no. way these like I, I, yeah i wonder if like the editor just didn't think about what marvel fans are like <laughs> Yeah, because then it just kind of ends up being someone sort of random. Or uh, I think I think maybe it's just like one of those things that like, like of course people are going to discuss it, but it's not always going to pay off. Exactly. Like there's no, and it didn't. I mean, it's not like it didn't feel like one thing. This show is clearly designed to do is they they want people just speculating, yeah, like tearing it apart and speculating about every single scene. It is designed Absolutely. that way, so. Just, yeah, like this didn't feel like a letdown or no. anything. Mm -hmm. It was just, it was just like a funny little moment, you know, with all this mass speculation, and then, and then it's like, like oh. nope. Um, so she tries to drive. She gets in the suit. She tries to drive through the hex barrier mm -hmm. and meets so much resistance. Like it was a cool scene because it looked like the armored truck or whatever it is was like driving up onto the barrier before kind of getting pulled in. And Monica's like freaking out because she's like, it's going to attach me. And then it explodes out half turned into a regular truck. Mm -hmm. Right. And then she jumps out of it. And before they can stop her, just tries to push her way through the barrier. And what is, I think one of the best like visually and even like auditory sequences of it like she here she's pushing through and this is monica's origin as a superhero mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and she hears carol speaking and she hears maria speaking so it's really nice to let this character one like yes she's pushing in in service of wanting to get to wanda but this is her space mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. wanda is not a part of this in terms of like this is about Monica and her story. I think they've done a really good job about that more generally. Monica's story has been very strong in the series. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, and Monica's power is in the comics is light-based. Like, she can manipulate light. Um, and they, 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 that's, it looks like that's the direction they're going in the you know, MCU as well. Yeah, there's this great, like, when she finally pops out of the barrier, we see what it looks like to her. And it's this, like, beautiful sort of like almost like off centered vision of what's going on mm -hmm. um with like different colors and yeah, the lighting. And I think she can see different spectrums of light other yeah. than visible light is I think the implication of that. Yeah, it's very, very cool. Um and so meanwhile Wanda herself is having a little bit of a rough day, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you might say. She can't really like her powers are flickering. So you're seeing the we're seeing like pieces go back to the way they were in like mm -hmm. the 50s version or the 60s version. Um, the stork shows up again for a second. Mm -hmm. Like the house architecture is changing. So she sends her kids off with um, Agnes, which leads to a great moment with, you know, Billy sitting next to her and going, it was so loud at home. You're quiet on the inside. And you're like, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, but Elizabeth Olsen's so good in this where she's like very quietly freaking out like that yeah. sequence where she's doing the fake interview and going I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine mm -hmm. I'm fine I'm, I'm, I'm fine mm -hmm. and you're like oh I feel that in my heart yep mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah yeah Ooh. um but the biggest pieces of this so like you know, Vision and Darcy are moving along. They're getting, like, stopped at every turn trying to get back to Wanda. It's not working. Um, so this is, I think, the first episode where really Wanda and Vision are separated yeah. the entire time. Um, but Monica shows up outside Wanda's house, and she's, like, newly powered. She has, like, a, ver a version of her, like, comic book superhero outfit on, and she's trying to get through to Wanda, with like, she says like, don't let him make you the villain, which I really love because mm -hmm. I think we've maintained from the beginning that Wanda is not the bad guy. No, like she is traumatized and she might be making bad decisions, but she's not the bad guy. No. And then 
Agnes very like tellingly kind of how Catherine Hahn has this great like very like thoughtful look on her face like ne- a little nefarious and comes out and like puts her arm around Wanda who is significantly more powerful than Monica and starts to act like Monica is attacking Wanda and that Wanda needs her help and it's this like it felt very like white feminist like victimhood so manipulative right it was such a great so great yeah scene and you know Monica is just like trying and all Wanda needed was for someone to put her back in that space of needing to lash out which is what Agnes did right and so she pushes Monica away and Agnes leads Wanda back to her home and Wanda gets in her home and it's kind of weird and dingy and creepy and there's like a bunny in a cage and Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. we see like a cicada crawling on like a window and she kind of realizes she's like where are the boys yeah yeah and then Agnes says oh they're probably in the basement which like Hmm. we've never we've never seen the basement like we don't know so Wanda like opens the door and it's kind of like dark and sinister down there and starts like slowly descending the steps and you see that it's like it kind of looks like a, a weird underground like stone like bricks yeah. and you know there's like a book there's some kind of weird book situation. it does not look like the the basement of this house no it looks like a like from like arthurian legend yeah. right like it's like the bottom of a castle uh the boys of course are nowhere to be seen and wanda we know that something has gone very, very wrong, but it takes Wanda a few seconds to pass on or to, to, to catch up with us. And then Agnes, JK, Agatha. All along. All along. And then it's like a bop of a song. Super catchy song written by the Frozen, you know, writers, Christian Anderson Lopez and Roberto Lopez. So, of course, it's catchy. Yeah, like every song has been spot on. Like the Malcolm in the Middle song is like spot on, you know, um... They might be giants, I think. And and this Agatha song is like based on the monsters and it's so good. So we get to see kind of all these things that happened were a result of Agatha sitting there. Like yeah. she brought Pietro. She like conjured Pietro. She like pushed all these things. Which I have get- to say, we, you and I, I theorize and I on my own and you on your own theorize a lot about stuff and we are usually wrong. I mean, I mean that's yeah. part of the fun, theorizing yeah. but the, oh, the vindication. <laughs> when I was like, Agatha Harkness, I knew it! I felt so vindicated. I felt There's so vindicated. There's been a lot of vindication in this Yeah, this show, we, like, we both have been, I feel like our, our theories have been very spot on. <laughs> it's a really, really fun moment and we get to see kind of Catherine Hahn in her element yeah. playing this this woman yeah. and you know that's and that's where the episode ends where she's like and i killed sparky too yep <laughs> and it's very very funny but also you're like oh shit yep <laughs> um and then we get to episode eight which is the last episode uh friday's episode previously on well let's talk about the post credit scene real quick it's um oh, wait oh right 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 right. i forgot there was a post credit sequ- sequence in the last episode too shoot yes um, it's, uh, I believe it's, um, Darcy poking around the basement, or, like, poking- no, it was Monica. Oh, it was Monica, yeah, outside, poking around the basement, like, basically, like, trying to get into an outdoor basement, and then Pietro shows up. Who we yeah, don't, we like, didn't know what had happened to him after, uh, she, after, um, after Wanda attacked him, so. Yeah. He's still around. Because he tries to stop her in, uh, the Halloween episode, and Monica, or Monica, Wanda blasts him away, and then mm-hmm. we don't see him again until this post-credit sequence- where he kind of creeps up on Monica and is like, we snooping? Yep. Yep. <laughs> and so, and then now it's the um, episode eight previously on. And so basically this is just an Agatha Wanda story. We don't know what's going on with Vision and Darcy. We don't know what's going on with Monica. This is just the two of them. Yes. Largely just the two of them. And, and then like later uh, on the two boys as well. But so we get this. So, okay. This is the first time I think in the season, the season that I have felt there was some weakness. Mm-hmm. I agree. The, the The first half of this episode fell a little short to me, not in terms of like content necessarily, but like the whole init, like the so the episode opens and we get to see a little bit of Agatha's backstory during like the Salem witch trials, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not a witch trial; it's her coven 
is taking her to a stake because she has clearly been doing something and they're trying to like leech her power and she's like please no don't um and her it turns out it's her mother who is the head and you know they start trying to pull the power but we see a switch when when agatha takes control and starts kind of pulling the power back from all Mm -hmm. these witches and they start desiccating and Agatha's mother then like lifts up and you see sort of the blue horns that show up in in the apparition of it mm-hmm. through the power which look a little like the scarlet which mm-hmm. had had whatever had peace um but Agatha takes her power too and and gets out and the first scene to me felt like it needed to be like we needed much longer like mm-hmm. 20 minutes 20 to 30 minutes because it all felt a, a little rushed it felt a little like hocus pocus it felt a little rushed and it felt a little black and white yes like okay. i would love to have a little more layered of a female villain well so we'll get and I, I think we'll we'll get there there's more there's clearly more going on but that was just like she killed her entire coven and her mother yeah it was a little like it, yeah, it, it was, was just a little like, oh, okay, okay, this is where we're going. There's a great, uh, Charles Pulliam Moore's uh, recaps for io9 have been excellent, and he has a great line in this week's where he's like, it seems like her first sin was ambition, which the fact that we've seen that more and more, I trust the show to turn it around. Yes, I do. Like, I, I don't think Agatha's actually going to end up being the big bad at the end. Like, we know Hayward after this episode we're gonna a little ahead and of i don't think there needs to be a big bad necessarily i'm not saying there needs to be a big bad but i don't th- i think she can be a more gray area character i don't think she needs to be like super super like let's defeat her i think she can like drop in and create chaos and she'd be like a loki a little bit yeah what they I, turn loki into later yes i agree i said that to um i said that to someone yesterday like i i totally think that's what they're gonna do i hope they do because she's great and Catherine hahn is great but, like, you will remember that a lot of people have trouble enjoying Loki's scenes because he's a mass murderer. And yes. uh, let's not have to, like, ha- let's not have to do that. Like, let's not grapple. Yes. It would be nice not to have to <laughs> grapple with that to make her, a lo- like, a, 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 a good, not a good as in, like, morally good or, you know, bad, but a good, like, interesting character. <laughs> yeah. I do think... You know what? One of the weaknesses for me, actually, in the top half of this episode, is that they have her playing Agatha in this very like campy sort of villainous way, it, which did not work for me until the end. Like mm-hmm. the first half of the episode, Elizabeth Olsen is so good at playing the pain and the anxiety and the fear in a very real way. Mm-hmm that Captain Han fell a little flat for me in that characterization because it didn't bounce well off of what Olsen was doing, which I don't think is a flaw on Han's part. Um, I think it's a misstep in terms of how the character was portrayed mm-hmm. in that moment. Yeah, in the moment. Because I do like the song. I do like the yeah. over-the-topness. I think the like weird dungeon layer. I think that works really well. But I think in those scenes between the two of them, I will admit, like, I did not, like, there were times I was not bored in this episode, but I was just like, okay, let me check my phone and see what's going on, which I've not felt about previous episodes. Yeah, it was a little, it was a little weird. Like, I was sitting there and I was like, this feels very, like, it feels like they're in two different yeah. scenes. Right? Like, it didn't feel like they were working with each and it's other. it's like, yeah, and it's like, here's Elizabeth Olsen, like, processing her trauma mm-hmm. and, like, reliving her trauma and... Like Catherine, like Agatha's, like making jokes on the side. Like it's just, yeah. it's just, it just felt very off. Like the the beats of this show have been really on point. So to see that kind of misalignment was weird. It was very strange, and it was very much like she was, you know, trying to walk. Like I feel like not she. I feel like they, uh, the creators, and and everyone involved were trying to walk this line with Agatha between like really unsettlingly evil and kind of campy where it's a little more relatable evil for lack of a better phrase and she kind of was too far on the camp side to balance with what elizabeth olsen was doing Mm -hmm. in these sequences because so what she basically basically it comes down to one her being like i can do what you do on a much smaller scale after years and years of study like agatha was like i can create illusion so real you feel like you could touch it like i can invent these things but you but do it, it effortlessly 
you and do with it no training because she's like I created Pietro, which is fake Pietro. Which side note, if they make me watch Pietro dissipate and die again, I'm going to lose it. I ah yeah, that's and that's a thing we'll get to I think at the end of this because she goes through all this and like you know first she sees her you know childhood and her parents die um and then she, uh, and you see the star missile um and then you see um and then she um, very very quickly before we kind of like uh bypass that part of it uh Akatha essentially is taking Wanda through these experiences mm-hmm. because she wants to know why. She wants to know the, the formative experiences of Wanda's life and they're all tragedies. Yeah, and she wants to understand like how Wanda is able to do this like mm-hmm. because she's so frustrated. Like She's worked for clearly hundreds of years mm-hmm. to be able to get here and Wanda, who is a child mm-hmm. essentially, is able to do this without trying at all. Like That's absurd. And Wanda can't answer any of her questions. So they do start in Wanda's childhood in Sokovia, where we see this is where her love of sitcoms mm-hmm, started, mm-hmm. right, with her parents. Um, and it's a night they're going to watch the Dick Van Dyke show, the Walnut episode, which is one of my favorite Dick Van Dyke episodes, which I was like, oh, that's the one where he has the it's very it's very telling, you know. In the episode, he watches, like, a science fiction movie before bed, and then he has a nightmare that all the people in his life are aliens, and he can't figure out what's real and what's not, and it's very clearly, you know, metaphorical. And they have a very loving family, and it's very nice, and then the Stark missile Mm -hmm. shows up in their apartment, and Wanda and Pietro are under the bed. And Wanda does something, and Agatha comes out, and she's like, you just did, like, a hex probability spell. she's just like, okay, like, what? Cool, I guess. Yeah. Like, what? How did you, how did, like, it was just instinctual for you. And then they cut to the experimentation. Yes. And Wanda has a a, a interaction with the Mind Stone. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. A vision within the Mind Stone. Yeah, so the the Hydra the Hydra Hydra is recording this like forcing her to interact with what they think is the staff from the first Avengers film. And what we see is that the staff breaks open, the Mind Stone comes out and Wanda sees this vision of the silhouette of I think herself. Yeah, as I think herself. Like, yeah. Scarlet Witch in the like outfit and the the silhouette of the the headpiece again and everything, but what I thought was interesting was that she was able to cut the footage so Hydra didn't see what happened to her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like she again instinctually was able to do this. Um there's a shot of her watching Brady Bunch, I think, right? Brady Bunch, right? I think, I Brady think Bunch, so. Yeah. In like a Hydra room. Um and all the while, like you said, Agatha is just kind of sniping and like whatever. And then she forces Wanda to see herself in vision at the first time Vision and she ever had a home together, mm-hmm. which was at the Avengers compound. And Wanda's sitting in a room watching Malcolm in the middle. And Vision comes in. And they have this moment because they're both like kind of suffering these traumatic events. And Wanda has lost her brother. You know, she doesn't she doesn't know what's happening. I think we're I think the implication is this is just before the events of Civil War. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or maybe just after Ultron. It's I, like I think just after Ultron is was right? my it's guess. Like because somewhere her yeah, she you're right. quite so raw in Civil War. Yeah, you're right, you're right. And Vision comes in, and this is like, I was so furious, because I think this is one of the best lines I've ever heard in anything, where, you know, we know this show is about grief. We've recognized that it's about processing grief and processing trauma. And Vision, they have a, they have a, a textual conversation about it. It's no longer subtext. It is at the forefront of the conversation and and the show is recognizing what it's been telling us the whole time. Mm -hmm. And vision says, what is grief? If not love persevering. And you're just like, Like, my heart just like fell out of my chest. Like what the fuck? And And I think this is one of those moments where we talked about again and again before this show, how you never got to see vision. Like we get Mm -hmm. to, this is a, it's a small moment it's not much, but you really get to see their bond. Yes. In a way, I honestly, this was a more real scene to me than anything else we've seen from them before this show. Agreed. Hard, hard agreed. Like, this show has done more for the believability and the understanding of their relationship than the, all the movies combined, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Where you get to see, like, we talked about, you know, a few episodes ago, I think, where what WandaVision is doing for Wanda is what I would have loved to see in, like, 
a season, a TV show season due for Leia, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where we never get to see her grief. We never, we never get to see this play out for characters in these like kind of mass media whatever stories you know it's always the focus is always on someone else so it's it's cathartic and it's nice to be able to see it happen yeah it's never these move these this stuff is never character driven it's always plot driven yes and so this is we're seeing like what a character driven thing in the mcu can be and it's really incredible it's really wonderful um and then Agatha takes us to one last memory for Wanda, and it's her. So, so a few episodes ago, Hayward, to justify his actions against Wanda, shows a clip of Wanda coming into the sword facilities and taking, stealing Vision's body, yeah. basically. We see what really happened in this yes. moment. And it's a woman who is, you know... Wanda was was blipped as they as they say in the MCU, and so she comes back, and it's we'll talk a little about about timing, I think, in a second. But she walks into the sword facilities, and she just she wants to see Vision. She's a little on edge, but she doesn't act grossly inappropriately, and so she gets p- called back. And this scene was, it was so, so bad. Was, I mean, in a good, like it was in a like in a way, it was very well done, but it was so yeah. hard to watch. It was hard to watch, right? Hayward. Basically forces Wanda into a traumatic event. He forces her to see people working on like hacking away at his body. Oh my god, hacking away at Vision's body! Like this is someone like Wanda loved. Like she's never had time to process grief for anything, and so he forces her to watch this happen. And then she like has a little bit of a like Ugh! the glass breaks from the observation deck, and she goes was down and she just says goodbye she doesn't take she doesn't take anything she's she you know does her magic a little bit and she says i can't i can't feel you which is something you know she and vision had said to each other in um i think infinity war i think at the end of infinity war yeah like yeah um and so she says i don't i don't feel you and then she leaves in her like buick which i yeah i loved it i loved how normal like she is like the she has these powers and she's like driving a Buick mm-hmm. to Westview, New Jersey. She has a she has a note on the seat and we see some of the other um residents of the town and they all look like a little bleak, right? Like it was a little strange and she gets to this empty plot and there's a note she's holding like a a note from Vision that's like for the deed to this property. Yeah, it's the deed to the property and it's, it's a note with a heart that's like where we can grow like, old. Grow- grow old right yeah which i was like ugly yeah i was it was a lot (laughs) like i was very emotional by this point and then she just sits there and she looks at the thing and then she basically hexes that's when the hex starts like she just is overcome by the grief and then like you know she and then just by like this was a cool scene by sheer fucking willpower like just brings vision back it's not his body Yeah, I know. It's not his body. It's not vision. Or, I mean, it is vision, but it's not his body. She doesn't reanimate his corpse like we thought she did. She creates, recreates vision and arguably recreates the Mind Stone because you see her doing it, like the yellow. Like, Uh she, it is really possible that she just recreated an Infinity Stone. It's banana. And I think, I think she actually did. I think this is where, where this is going to go from here. I think she recreated an infinity stone and brought vision back. And that explains why he doesn't remember anything because this Mm -hmm. is not the same. This is the vision. She, this is, she brought back the parts of vision that she knew and loved. Yeah. Not the like history, not the trauma, not the Avengers, but just, just the guy. Yeah. And it's, and the guy that like, she, the, 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 you know, the sweet guy that she knew, like, that's who she brings back. And so, ugh. so, and then, then we, um, then we, uh, we, uh, we f- basically finish up with all that. And then, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't remember exactly how the transition occurs, she, but Wanda. She just li- literally, like, walks out of the door. And then they're her, her kids. And there's Agatha floating in this, like, wonderful witchy costume. Mm-hmm. With like tethers of yeah. magic around the necks of the two boys, um, Billy and Tommy, and Agatha is furious. Like she's just like, and then she has this moment of like you. She says like you are 
it's like chaos magic is what you're doing. And she says, you are the Scarlet Witch, which mm-hmm. is... Which I think I said on the podcast, like, a couple of weeks ago, like, I think Agatha's how she's going to get the name Scarlet Witch. Yes. And so and I was vindicated correct. again, again. <laughs> um, and that's where kind of we end with Wanda. And again, we haven't seen anyone else. Until the post-credit scene, Until right? the post-credit sequence. And then we see that Hayward... Did, in dick. fact... Huh? Was, in fact, able to bring Vision back as a weapon. And so they have his body. Yeah. And are and going to apparently... Like, uh, like, this is leading to a confrontation of our Vision against Hayward's weapon. White, white Vision is what they're calling him. Which is the... I think it's the version... I'm not super familiar with the comics in terms of this this line, but I believe it's the vision without any emotions, without any sort of humanity to him. It's basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, he is just a sentient weapon. It's, um, it's like the, it's the, it's the, what's left of vision when Wanda has pulled out. I mean, it's not like, but that's kind of how I think of it in my head. Like the weapon, she separated, he still has his powers, but she separated the weapon from the person. Yeah. In, in what they did though, is use <laughs> the, missile that they'd sent in and then it's it has wanda's magic in it and that's what they use to power vision white vision back up Mm -hmm. which is so nefarious and so horrible and it's again like don't trust these organizations which it also makes you wonder because in um like you said about the spider-man far from home post-credit sequences one of the other post-credit sequence is we find out that Nick Fury is on a sword facility in like space. Yeah, yeah. So like, what what the hell is Nick Fury doing? So okay, so here's happening. yeah. So here's the question now. Like one of the big questions that's been going around is how did Sword get a hold of Vision's body? Yeah. And so like talking about timeline here. So if we recall, because um like a lot of people are talking about oh post Endgame, but it's not post Endgame. It would be post Infinity War. Right. So basically. Vision dies, the blip happens, most of, you know, the Avengers are gone, it's just the original, our original Phase 1 Avengers that are left. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, but not even Tony, because Tony's off in space, and so they regroup at Avengers headquarters, I mean, presumably maybe they bring Vision's body back with them, but then the original Avengers go off after Thanos, yeah. So, so like, it's happens? possible, like, it's possible they got him from Wakanda. It's possible they just stole him. It's possible that, like, they, like, I don't even know. I don't know. I would I would like to think they wouldn't just turn over, especially Cap, wouldn't turn over their friend's body to mm-hmm. this organization. But, like, God knows, like, it probably was just, like, not, there was a lot of chaos, you imagine. And they probably weren't paying a lot of attention. Yeah, I feel like they, after... Infinity War, because at, at the start, I've, I haven't rewatched Endgame in a long time. Like, I'm planning on doing it in the next couple of weeks. I've rewatched like... it, and it is real, really rough with all the pandemic stuff. Like, it's probably better now, but I rewatched it. I've rewatched it twice since all this began, and the first time I was like, oh, oh, maybe I shouldn't be watching this right now. <laughs> like, too much. Yeah, but it was it a lot. Opens fi- it opens five years after, right? Mm-hmm. No, so it opens, um, it opens with all of them. It opens, remember, with Tony talking to the helmet oh, in space. Right. And then right, with right, Noni right, Nebula right, right, right. in space, and then Captain Marvel shows up and brings them home. So we right. get, and then they go all go after Thanos. Oh, right, 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 right. So that happens, like, immediately. Yes, and then it, 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 it jumps to five years later. And then so. it jumps to five years later, right. So, yeah. So, like, so, like the, the stealing Vision's body or taking Vision's body is happening against the background of probably the beginning of Endgame. Yeah. And that's... Because there's... There's a lot going on at that oh, point. So Wakanda, like, doesn't have a leader. It's quite possible Wakanda just, like, Wakanda doesn't have a leader. The entire royal family presumably got blipped. Like... Yeah. So... So, like, Vision's body could have just Just been, been, like, in a storage somewhere and then, like, she'll... Like, Sword came in and was just like, hi, we need to take we'll him. We'll take this. Yeah. Like, it's, there's a lot of ways, but I don't think it's, I don't think it was with anyone's knowledge. Like, any, like, Cap's, Cap would have known about it or been, you know, okay with it had he known. Yeah. Well, well we don't know. We'll, we, we may find out at some point what happened, but. um, I, Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they give us a little hint, because something they are doing really well, because, like, even though it's like, don't trust this man and an authority for a governmental agency, they have set up that. This is very reactionary. Mm-hmm. This is very like based in 
fear. Like this is this is straight up fear based decision making, which we have seen from these agencies before. Mm-hmm. But this is like explicitly, I think Hayward shows us somebody who has been impacted by a terrible event mm-hmm. and is like, well, we we have to figure out how to do this. It's like uh, it's maybe making me think of Doctor Who mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. Um, the prime minister realizes that aliens exist. They create, you know, a secret governmental agency to make sure Earth is protected sort of um, on the offense versus the defensive. Mm -hmm. And that's what this feels like a little bit of like, well, we have to be offensively stronger. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so we're going to try, we're going to, this is what we're going to do. I'm very, very afraid (laughs) of next week's episode. Yeah. It's going to be rough. (sighs) I think Taona Paris was like, get your tissues ready. It's gonna be good, yeah. And like, cause like we don't know what's gonna happen to the boys. We don't know what's gonna happen to Wanda's version of Vision once the he- cause like presumably the hex is gonna come down. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's gonna happen to? We know Wanda's gonna continue in the MCU. This isn't gonna like we know she's gonna be in um, Doctor Strange and the yep. Multiverse of Madness. So, but we don't know what's gonna happen to the rest. Um, and I'm not looking. I am looking forward to, it, but I'm not looking forward to finding out. There's a, so Paul Bettany, you know, we have two quotes, Wanda, or Wanda, Elizabeth Olsen said there's a um, Mark Hamill level cameo coming. Mm-hmm. I, was, she, was, the, not, was she not talking about Aaron, I don't, Evan Peters? I don't know. I thought, I thought that was referring Mark to Evan Hamill Peters. Level, but I, I don't, don't think know. he's Mark, that's her Mark but Hamill level, but. Paul Bettany had a quote that was like, I got to work with an actor I've wanted to work with for a long, long time. Um, and some some people uh, think that he was, it was a joke that he was talking about getting to work with himself because he'd be playing a double role of Vision and White Vision. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if not, who's someone who could show up that would that be Paul that Paul Bettany level? hasn't worked with, so presumably not somebody he's worked with within the right? MCU before. Like, has Paul Bettany ever worked with Ian McKellen? Are they going to have Ian McKellen show? I don't think so, but wouldn't that Patrick be amazing? Patrick Stewart is Professor X? Like... Because some of know. some of this is saying is is this the origin of the mutant? Is the hex the origin of the right. mutants? There's a lot of and there had Patrick Stewart did say he has been approached by Feige to to come and play mm-hmm. a Professor X. So he said he said no, but they also lie. So who knows? You know, All like the time. <laughs> so um, like, there's a lot of possibilities. But this is going to open up, I think, the broader universe in the next phase and a lot of what's yeah. going on. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. All right. Well, I, I guess we will be back probably next week. Yeah, I think so. Our, next week. Um, our reactions to all of how it ends and, yeah. and maybe tears and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what are you into and what are you working on doing? <sighs> okay. What am I into? I finished the second season of Doom Patrol because I guess I'm only looking, I'm only watching TV shows about a grief and, and trauma and superheroes. Um, if you've not seen Doom Patrol, it's, so good it's mm-hmm. so weird and it's a nice it was a nice pairing to wandavision because they're both very weird genre shows dealing with deeper issues but doom patrol is significantly more crass i would say and like strange in your face strange mm-hmm. but the second season i thought was really really good um fair warning it ends on a pretty intensive cliffhanger and they have not even started filming season three yet though they have been picked up for season three then i finished the chronicles of perdain on audiobook i'm mad because i cried a lot Mm -hmm. it was really good arguably i would say i liked the ending of the chronicles of perdain better than the ending of lord of the rings there is there is like a character choice that happens at the end of the high king which is the final book that I think parallels with Frodo in a really interesting way. And I'm so mad I didn't read this as a kid because I think it would have changed the way that I look at massive kind of these like fantastical storytelling uh, moments that have happened through like whatever. Um, I finished The Goblin Emperor by Catherine Addison, which was really good and sweet and like even keeled if you're looking for something that's like a quiet fantasy novel that's like just about people who are kind. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. was really wonderful. Um, it never feels too intense. It was like a soft, like just a really nice, soft little journey. 
Um, and then right now I'm listening to Megan Wallen Turner's The Return of the Thief because I wanted to revisit the final book since I only read it the one time last fall. Uh, but I will again ask that everybody read this series because when it eventually becomes a TV show, it's going to be so good. Yeah. Um, I'm also reading The Witch's Heart by Genevieve Gornachuk, which is someone compared it to Cersei, which I wish they had not. That's uh, high expectations. Very high expectations. And Cersei is one of the best books I've ever read because Madeline Miller is such a great writer. The Witch's Heart is good. I'm enjoying it. It's basically a witch who falls in love with Loki. Mm -hmm. And so um, dealing with kind of that. But it's written, the the prose is not as good as Cersei. Like, it just isn't. Like, Cersei, the prose is just so, so good. That said, it's like a nice, light fantasy book, which is in standalone, I think. Um, So I've been, like, just kind of going back and forth between those two, and it's been really nice. Um, writing projects, I'm writing a lot of stuff that I can't talk about, which I can't wait to tell you about. Um, but we had a cover reveal for Battle of the Bands, which is a YA anthology I'm in, which is about a bunch of different stories that happen the same night as a Battle of the Bands uh, uh, contest that's happening. And my story is about the kids selling merch. Yeah. And it's called Merch to Do About Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's out this fall, and then, of course, The Sinister Substitute, the second Avengers Assembly book, which is out in, like, five weeks. That's unreal! I didn't realize it was that soon. I, like, thought about it when I was writing this to, like, my notes, and I was like, that comes out April 6th. Like, what is time? Right? Isn't that... Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. Um... Yeah, and the last thing is just uh, the Wheel of Time podcast that I do with Jen Northington, um, Tarval and our bust. We are about midway through the second Wheel of Time book, so there's still time for you to come hang out with us. We drop every other Wednesday, and I know you're going to want to get on it because the show's going to come out, and everyone's going to be talking about it, and you're going to wish that you had started reading them, so I'm telling you right now, start reading them. She's also Tarvel telling me. I am. In addition to all of you, just FYI. <laughs> I have not I read am. these books. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, so in terms of what I'm doing, we had our cover reveal so for Swordstone Table, the um, yes. anthology Jen and I are co-editing and Preeti has a story in. Um, and so uh, cover's fantastic. It's an illustrated cover. Um, just really, it's just very different and very, very cool and really gives you the just like the weirdness and different, the way this anthology is like, we hope is different. Um and so uh, that covers out. Pre-order links are live, so you can pre-order it anywhere you pre-order books. Um, um, I wrote a piece on Wired for my latest Wired column on video games and mental health. I talked to a mental health expert and just basically can, like, there's a, video games make me feel good when I'm stressed out, but is there a genuine mental health, um, are they genuinely beneficial? And yes, they absolutely can be, is the, where, where that came out. And so um, if you want to read it, you can go. I write on Wired. I write a, about video games every other week. And then I'm working on the Mystery Thrillers feature for 2021 for Publishers Weekly. So that should be out next month. Um, and then in terms of what I'm doing, honestly, right now, all my brain can handle is knitting. I just have been doing a ton of knitting. Um honestly just I things have been really bad like in terms of work and my kids been sick a lot and um we've just it's it's been a rough like it's been a rough month um for us here uh, like we seriously have had conversations about whether I need to quit working because things have gotten so bad again um and I can't believe I'm just like so like fucking like mad that it is a year in we're in a year into this pandemic pretty much and we are having the exact same con- like this is the exact same conversation we yep. had a year ago do yep. i need to quit my job because just we can't how can we handle and so no i'm not we we're able to like think think thankfully my mom is vaccinated and was able to come help us and we are like we're digging ourselves out of this hole but it's bad and i just i feel really bad for everyone else in the same position but um, I don't mean to, like, but so that's why. Like, all my brain can handle is knitting. So I've been um, doing a lot of knitting, uh, playing some video games. Um, hypothetically, if I had an advanced copy of Story of Seasons, uh, Pioneers of Olive Town, um, I would really be enjoying that. That's a game that, if you've played Stardew Valley, Story of Seasons is kind of based on Stardew Valley, or Story of Stardew Valley is based on Story of Seasons. So it's 
similar thing. It's a series, so I think there's four games in it. Much better graphics. But, like, if you like Animal Crossing but you want more to do, then Story of Seasons is where you should go. So Pioneers of Olive Town comes out in late March. I'm not saying I have an advanced copy because I'm under, I could be under embargo or not. But I can say that <laughs> if I were playing it, I would really be enjoying it. And, um... Uh, the Science of Beauty is a uh, podcast from Allure, and I have really gotten into skincare over the past year. It's just been a way to, you know, take care of myself at a time that's been really hard to do. Um, and as, you know, I'm science science writer, science reporter, so I like knowing science behind it. So anyway, it's been a great podcast that, like, has kind of helped me learn more about skincare. And so I've really been enjoying that while I am knitting. So that is kind of my whole thing. I saw this tweet from, I think it was Rakesh Satyal. That was, I'm tired of self-care. I want other people to take care of me. That's a hundred and a hundred thousand percent. That's like why it's been so nice having my mom here. Cause I have just been like, I don't want to think about feeding my family. I don't want to think about like, like when I came in here to do this like podcast, I was like, okay, well he needs to eat at X. And usually like, it's like, it's just, it is like so like thinking about like taking care of your family all the time and then you're the only one left to take care of yourself is hard and my husband's like really really good about trying to take care of me trying to give me time trying to like you know he more than does his part but he also just works a job where he doesn't have a lot of flexibility it's the nature of his job it is that's how it is so he does everything he can but like the problems we are facing are a lot more systemic and a lot less your like you know your partner needs to step yeah. up because he is doing everything he can and so it is what it is and we are getting through it but it's really nice having my mom here just because it is like i, I have to think about less when she's here mm -hmm. which is really nice um, but we are part of the Hard Knock Life po Podcast Network. You can find all the podcasts in the Hard Knock Media family at hardknockmedia.com. Hard, that's hard N-O-C media.com. <laughs> I'm going to laugh every I know. time. It I took know. us so long to remember that we should spell it out. Um, and to our Patreon supporters, thank you to Keisha, Meredith, Ronnie, and Maya at the $12 level, and Amber, Sam, Patrick, Jordan, Annie, Brandy, Shelly, Claire, Brian, Robert, Sylvia, Chris, The Knot Family, Priya, and Creative Grey at the $5 level. If you would like to support us on Patreon, it is patreon.com slash theysegeekgirls. And, um... Oh, social media. Yeah, you can find us on Twitter. I am... <laughs> we, don't, we don't copy and paste this part. So if it's not written down, we don't say it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at S. Krishna. You can find us on Twitter at theysegeekgirls. And I am at Run With Skizzers. And until next time, we'll see you in hell! hell!